Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to continue a message that I began a couple of weeks ago on, we've entitled, You Already Have It. Now, uh, I want to do a little review, and this is why. Uh, I want to do it, as Paul said, to, res- to, to stir up your sound mind by way of reminder. How many know because we hear something once doesn't mean we've got it? Uh, if it did, every one of us would be a spiritual giant. We've got to hear things again and again and again. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. So God is able to do not just what we ask or think, but exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can ask or think. In other words, one, one translation says, more than you could imagine. How many of you got a good imagination? You can imagine some blessing. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all of that. Now, what we tend to do is think, well, no, that's what we've got to get God to do. But the rest of the verse says, according to the power that works in us. So we're thinking the answer is far away. But the Bible is telling us the answer is close by. If somebody said, well, you don't, you just don't understand, you know, I'm only human. Well, not really. If you're a Christian, one third of you is wall to wall, Holy Ghost. You're more than just human. And notice it's that power that works in us. In Romans, it says, if the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken, make alive your mortal body. So what we tend to think is we've got to get God to do something. But what the Bible is telling us again and again is God already did something that you and I will never have a need that God did not foresee. So God created the world and he created Adam and Eve on the sixth day. Now, he didn't create them on the first day because he foresaw all their need. He knew they were going to need some food. God didn't wait for Adam and Eve to go, oh, I'm hungry, and God to go, oh, I better make some fruit trees. He made the fruit trees first. He didn't wait for them to go, we need air. No, he created air first. He prepared everything on five days, and then on the last day, when everything was ready, he created Adam and Eve. As I said before, if if God had simply created Adam the first day, he didn't create dry ground until the fourth day. So we'd have been out there, we'd have been out there going, you know, trying to stay afloat for three days. But God looked ahead and he saw. Matthew 18, 18. Assuredly, or I am Assuredly, I, oh, excuse me. I assure you, most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. So, so what Jesus is telling us is that in heaven, God's will is already done and he wants his will done on earth. I remember Jesus taught us to pray, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But notice, he said, it's already done in heaven. He said, but you loose it on earth and you bind what shouldn't be on earth on earth. And we're so often looking for it to happen 
from the outside. We're looking for God to do something. We're like, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. I'm a worm. God, do something. But Jesus said, Matthew 28, he's risen from the dead. He said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go you, therefore. What he did is he said, that authority that I have, I give to you, the church, and you've got to do it. So we're trying to get God to do something. And God is saying, look, it's already done. In Hebrews 9, verse 12, it says that Jesus has already purchased for us a complete redemption. When it says complete, it means nothing's left out. You're never going to go to God and say, God, here's my problem. And have God go, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We never thought of that. No, no, it's already taken care of. God thought of everything. The redemption that we've received through Jesus' blood is complete. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given. That is past tense. It's already done. And when we go to God and we're trying to get him to do something, he's thinking, I have already done it. And you need to believe and receive what has already been purchased for you at Calvary. When you got saved, Jesus didn't need to die again. You just needed to believe that he had died for you and receive the forgiveness and the redemption that he had for you. When, when Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus, when he dies, he leaves his two sisters who are also Jesus' friends. They live in a little town called Bethany. It's about three miles from Jerusalem. And Jesus arrives four days after Lazarus has died. Now, when he was sick, they sent for him. But Jesus arrives and unfortunately, Lazarus is already dead. So Martha, one of Lazarus's sister goes to Jesus and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so often that's kind of where our Christianity is. If I had just been alive when Jesus was walking around the Sea of Galilee, if I could have just been there, then something spectacular, something supernatural would have happened. And then later they're talking and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. So here was her theology. If Jesus had been here, but he wasn't. And someday there's going to be great things. But today there's nothing. It's kind of like Jesus yesterday. If you had been here, we'd have got something someday in the future. There's going to be something. There's going to be a great resurrection. But today, there's nothing. Yesterday was great. Tomorrow's going to be great. Today sucks. Nothing today. Just for you old people, sucks used to be bad, but it's not anymore. All right? just, just so you know, over the last 25 years, the definition has kind of changed. Okay? This means bad. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever. 
is not just something that was yesterday and it's not just something in the future. I, I literally had somebody say to me one time, they said, well, that Christianity is just a crutch and it's just all pie in the sky. Listen, it's pie now too. There is pie in the sky, but there is pie now because he's not the same yesterday and forever. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Hebrews 11 verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But faith is. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is now. Now faith is. Faith is not about what's going to happen tomorrow. Faith is about he's already done it and I can receive it now. It's not someday I'm going to get saved. Someday I'm going to live for Jesus. Someday there's going to be deliverance. Someday there's going to be a breakthrough. Someday I'm going to get through my problems or someday I'm going to become a giver. Someday I'm going to forgive. Sometime I'm going to take Someday in the future, I'm going to see a breakthrough in my family. No, we believe now. Faith is now. In the book of Ezra, they have come back to rebuild the temple. And it says this in chapter three and verse 10. When the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and singing and thanking the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever towards Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. So listen. They didn't wait until there was a finished temple and a dedication to shout. Once the foundation was laid, they shouted. Now, here's what that means. It means that when we see just the beginning, you see, what so often happens, we pray and we see something happen, but we don't see everything happen. And we're like, oh, rats, that's all I get. But the truth is what we need to do when we just begin to see the spirit of God move, when we begin to see that manifestation, we need to begin to shout now. Now, when you see everything, because faith, you don't need faith when you've already got it, when you can see it and feel it, when you can touch it. But faith is the substance of things that you're hoping for. It's the evidence before you see it. And when you've got faith, you shout when the foundation is laid. You shout when you believe the promise. It's not that you've got to wait. No, you're, you're ready now. It says this in Ecclesiastes 11.4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you are looking for an excuse, if you're looking for something that's not quite all the way there, something that's not all right, you're always going to find the excuse. But faith believes now. Faith shouts now. Faith shouts when we just see the beginning we don't need to see the full manifestation. We just see the beginning of the hand of God move, or we just know in our heart the, the hand of God is going to move, and we begin to shout now. In fact, everybody lift your hands. Go. Why don't you repeat this? The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. I thank you, God, for deliverance, for breakthrough for miracles, for healing, for peace, for joy. I thank you now because Jesus purchased it for now. And I believe now. Thank you, Lord, 
Yeah. Listen, faith and the Bible are always counterintuitive. In other words, you will not figure it out with your brain. God said, Isaiah 55, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's ways are higher. God's ways are better. So let me just give you an example. In Proverbs 11, verse 24, it says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. There's one who withholds or keeps more than is right, because every time something comes into your hand, there's a part of it that's not for you. You're supposed to sow part of it. There is one who withholds or keeps more than is right, and it leads to poverty. Now, this is what the world says. It says, get all you can. Can all you get and sit on the can. If you want, if you want to prosper, you want to have something, you want to be blessed, you got to get it. You got to guard it. Right? You got to keep it. But now the Bible says, if you sow, if you scatter, it says you'll increase. And if you get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can, you withhold more than right. And it leads to poverty. It won't be a blessing in your life. But your mind says, well, if I want to increase, I got to keep all that I've got, right? But God says, no, if you want blessing, you've got to let go of some of what you have. I thought we'd, you'd like that really better than that. It's kind of like, like I said, counterintuitive. See, we need God to open our eyes to spiritual truth. And we, we look at our situation and we go, this is a mess. And God's looking down the road and says, yeah, but this is going to be your message. You're thinking, man, I'm going through this terrible test. And God is going, oh, you don't understand. This is going to be a great testimony. You're looking at your adversity and God going, no, no, no. This is for your advancement. You're going to come through this thing on the other side better than you ever were to begin with. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief, the devil, he comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So the Bible says that God will work all things together for your good. Romans 8, verse 28. For we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, that are called according to his purpose. Now, God's not the one trying to destroy your life, but he will take what the devil means to destroy your life and work it together for your good. A great example of this we can find in the book of Daniel. In the Bible, there's a book about a man named Daniel who's taken as a young man, as a captive, to a foreign country. And there he's serving and he's living for God, praying. And they make a law that you can only pray to the king and he keeps praying to Jehovah God. And they take him and they throw him in a lion's den. Well, they meant that for his destruction. But in the morning when the king comes and says, uh, are you still alive? He said, my God sent his angel and closed the lion's mouth. And they bring him out and he is promoted God is promoted and all his enemies get thrown in the lion's den. What the devil meant for his destruction, God ended up using for his good and for the good of the kingdom of God. He had, he had three friends, also young Jewish boys. The king puts up an image and says, everybody, when you hear the music, 
worship my image. These three boys refuse. So they get thrown into a fiery furnace. The king is watching, expecting them to get burned alive. And he says to his counselors, he says, hey, didn't we just throw three people in the furnace? They said, yes, O king. And he said, well, I see four walking around. The fire isn't hurting them. Their bonds are loosed. And the fourth one, he looks like the son of God. Yeah, and it was. You know, when they ended up in the fiery furnace, Jesus himself showed up. And when you end up in a fiery furnace, Jesus will show up. We sometimes, we just look at our situation. We look at our circumstances. And that's a bad thing to do. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, we will know no one according to the flesh. But that's what people want to do. They want to look at you and they want to say, well, look, I've known you since you were a runny-nosed kid. And I knew you when you were getting drunk, when you were doing drugs. And I know your family. And there is nobody in your family that's ever done mounted to a hill of beans anyway. And you're not going to mount to a hill of beans. And besides all that, you're not smart enough. You're not tall enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not educated enough. You're the wrong color. You're the wrong gender. You're this. You're that. You're the next thing. And the Bible says, don't look at anybody like that. And you say, why? The next verse says, because if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God wants to take a mess and use it to his glory. Listen, the Bible says this in Isaiah 53 about Jesus as a root out of dry ground. That's how it describes Jesus, a root out of dry ground. How many of you know ground's supposed to be wet for a root to grow? But if you looked in the natural, it's saying there was no reason in the natural that Jesus would come out of Nazareth. In fact, people said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? But yet it did. And it wasn't because of the surroundings. It was because of the Spirit of God. In the very first book in the Bible, it's called the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. God comes to a man named Abraham, makes a covenant with him. Eventually, Abraham dies and his son Isaac begins to walk in that covenant, those promises. He's in a desert. His father had dug wells and he digs up, redigs one of the wells. Some of the local people come and fight with him over it. He actually calls the well contention. He leaves, digs, redigs another well that his father had dug. And they came again, and he called this one hatred. They treated him so poorly. He went and redug another one. And he called that one Rehoboth because he said, The Lord's made room for us. So he, he's, there's a famine. And this is what the Bible says Isaac sowed in that land. Now, how many of you know when there's a famine, that's not the best time to sow? But he sowed in that land. God told him, You stay where you are. You are. And reap the same year. 100 fold for the Lord blessed him. Now, now get this. It's not a hundred percent. It's a hundred fold. That's 10,000%. That means you put one seed in the ground and you get a hundred seeds back. 10,000%. I'm just telling you when there's good soil, lots of rain, lots of sunshine, you don't get a hundred. You don't get a hundred hundredfold. It just doesn't happen. In fact, how many have been kind of watching that coronavirus thing? And as a result, the stock market went, you know, took a big dive. And, and certain stocks really took a big dive. 
And so uh, a friend of mine kind of let me know about some of that. And so uh, this, this one particular one was down about 60%. And I thought, ooh, I'll buy some of that. So I bought some. And I'm thinking, well, when this coronavirus thing blows over, and it will, it'll bounce right back up. I could make 50% in a year. That's one two hundredth of what he got in a year. I mean, this is like the most supernatural thing ever. Why? He obeyed God and the Lord blessed him. He obeyed God and the Lord blessed him. There was no reason in the natural, but God works in unusual places, surprising places, dry places, barren places. Jesus came as a root out of dry ground. Lazarus was resurrected after four days being dead, buried, and starting to smell. God found Moses in the backside of a desert, Job in a trial, the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace, Daniel in a lion's den, Elijah under a juniper tree, so depressed he wanted to die. He found Jeremiah in a pit, Peter in a prison, and Paul in a storm. And God used, finds us in unusual places to bring about his glory. And you may be in a dry, barren, surprising, unusual place, but I've got news for you. God wants to work in your life right where you are. And he's already provided all that we need. We need to grab hold of what he has already done for us. We're wanting to pack our bags and surrender. And God's saying, no, grab hold of redemption. What was purchased for you is I want to bless you now. Deuteronomy chapter 30. For this commandment which I command you today is not mysterious for you. See, so often, this is what we think. We think, ooh, the Bible's so hard to understand. So mysterious. Look, it says it's not mysterious. And it's not far off. We think, oh, the answer is in heaven. No, 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 the answer's already been purchased. And it's according to his power that works in you. He's already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So then it says it's not in heaven that you will say, who will ascend to heaven to bring it down for us that we may hear it and do it. And it's not beyond the sea that we should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring us to us? See, we think it's in heaven. We think maybe it's in Africa. Maybe it's Joyce Myers in Missouri. We think, hey, the answer is here. The answer is there. No, the Bible says, no, 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 no. It's not in heaven. It's not on the other side of the sea. It's not on the other side of the mountain. But the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That's what he said. Deuteronomy. It's not far. The New Testament says it like this. Romans chapter 10. But what does faith say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. And in your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. So what's it saying? It's saying we think the answer is far away. God's got to reach down and do something. But the Bible says no. He said the answer has already been supplied. And for you to connect with the answer, the answer needs to be in your heart. You've got to believe it. And it's got to be in your mouth. You've got to speak it. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. But the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. So often we think it's over there. It's at the end of the earth. The Bible says the fool's eyes are on the end of the earth. They think the answer is someplace else. The answer's with that person way far away. The answer is hard to understand. The answer is in heaven. 
But wisdom and deliverance and healing and peace and blessing is in the sight of him who has understanding. It's close by. It's not far away. Right? It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. In the 19th century, there was a man living in Pennsylvania who had a farm. It was a good farm, but he really wasn't all that into farming. And he thought, this is hard work. He decided he was going to sell the farm. So he wrote his cousin who lived in Canada and uh, looking for employment. And his cousin was working with coal oil. You know, oil was first discovered in, the United, in, in Western America or, or North America in Canada. And he said, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like you to hire me. I'll come up and work for you. And his, his, his cousin said, look, look, you don't know anything. I'm not going to hire you. So he studied everything that he could find. He found out what it looked like, what it smelled like, what it tastes like, how to refine it. He studied and studied. And finally, he wrote his cousin back. And he says, look, I've, 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 I've studied. This is what I've, I've, these, these are the sources that I've gone to. I know what I'm talking about. I can be a help to you. Will you hire me? And his cousin said, yeah, I'll hire you. So he sold his farm for $833. He had scarcely gone when the new purchaser of that farm went behind the barn to water the cattle. And he found that the previous owner had blocked off this scum area. Because the cows would not drink any of the water if that scum was in the water. And he looked at that scum, and shortly thereafter, he had it tested. Four years later, the geologist, this is in the 19th century, remember, said that this discovery is worth to the state of Pennsylvania a thousand million dollars. Now, they didn't know how to say a billion, so they'd just say a thousand million because that's what a billion is. He said, this discovery right here is worth a thousand million or a billion dollars. He sold it all for $833 because he thought that prosperity for him in, in the coal oil business was going to be someplace else. And he did not realize what he already had. Now, I want to just say to you as Christians, Everything that we all that we need has already been purchased and prayed for, paid for 100%. In fact, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. It's not far away. The Bible says it's not mysterious. You know, we think, well, if I just had that job, man, if, if I just had that person for my spouse, if I just had their talent, if I just had the break, but the Bible says it's already been supplied for you. It's already been purchased for you. It says, you shall remember the Lord, your God, Deuteronomy eight, for it is he who gives you the power, the ideas, the giftedness, the ingenuity, the favor, the connections to get well, that he may establish his covenant as he swore to your father's even as it is this day. We're looking for God to do something, and he's saying, I've already done it. I've already done it. It's already on the inside. And we need to stop looking far away. We need to stop looking to the past, stop looking to the future, and we need to begin to realize what Jesus has purchased for us at Calvary is available to us now. 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think or imagine, according to his power that works in you. You say, yeah, but you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just nothing without Jesus. That is right. You're nothing. I'm nothing. We're all nothing, but we're not without him. We are not without him. When you received him, that spirit came to live on the inside of you. And everything that God's going to do for you has already been bought, purchased, and paid for. But we need to believe it, and we need to begin to confess it, and we need to begin to rejoice. Because that's what faith does. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things you don't yet see. But you believe it, and you know it. Because by faith, you possess it. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.